0: Sikharisan Price for Friday, February 23rd, 2024, coming to you from the Go Sports Studio, built by Arbor Lee here at the Iconic Wall Center, downtown Vancouver. Where, if you're heading to a game or an event downtown, make it a staycation. Call the Wall 604 331 1000. Ask for the Sikharisan Price rate, some blackout dates. May apply. Matt Sikars alongside Blake Price, Grace sass. Hit and switches conducting thing. Big show coming up. All brought to you by Applewood Auto Group.
1: Applewood Nissan in Richmond has the award winning 2023 Nissan Rogue, 24 month lease, zero percent on select trims. Or need something a little bit snugger, a little smaller? Nissan Cash Guy gets you around town very nicely. 36 month financing at 2.99 percent. All at Applewood Nissan
0: in the Richmond Auto Mall. It's all good. At Applewood. Poll question today. What is more upsetting about Elias Pettersson lately? His play? His unwillingness to sign? Or nothing? You can vote. At some Price on Twitter and YouTube. And just before we get into the poll question, our top story, Blake, and look back at a fourth consecutive Canucks loss to the Seattle Kraken. We had a marvelous time at Greta last night for our watch party with Canucks Army. Shout out and thank you to Casey Grable and his staff there at Greta. Thank you to David Quadrelli and Harmon Dial for doing all the heavy lifting. I had no responsibilities. I just had to show up, eat, drink, and be merry. Yeah, he, those and you are did the that, sort of the par- parties I like. You did that in spades. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, thank you to all the uh, Secure some Price listeners who came out, especially those who came on up and introduced themselves. Gray, Paris, Raymond, Adam, the former bath guy who's mm-hmm. had a lot of our events. Thank mm-hmm. you, Adam. Mike, Luke, Zara, Len, Aki, and Ali from Great Clips. And then my friend, Rob Ronning, a longtime Sakaris and Price listener who comes was up Was he there? To, he was there. I didn't notice him. Who comes up to me and goes, oh, really like that, Grady. And I go, yeah, me too. He goes, and Maddie, I got to tell you, really like it when he chimes on the show too. It's offside. It's offside. So within 10 minutes of hitting the party grady with the inflated head yeah because rob had built him on up
1: yeah we can't be uh just for further we can't re- undo that for further reference folks you your power ranking the listener <laughs> we keep a listener power rankings Absolutely. you don't know about it we don't make Absolutely. it public you will fall precipitously with Absolutely. those kinds of things for sure so for sure yeah
0: you want to win a contest around here no <laughs> They're random draws of course uh okay Poll question. So, look, slumps happen, and Elias Petterson is pointless in three of four and four of six. Uh, can live with that. I mean, can also live with his unwillingness to sign. He gets to make that call. It's his decision. Now, it would be helpful from a team-building standpoint if he did sign by the March 8th trade deadline, and it's not just the Canucks want to know what they're going to be paying him next year, but also that may, invigor lead them down different paths in terms of acquisitions. If sure. they know Elias is only going to be here for a short period of time, that might, um, that might um, push them to be even more aggressive than they already have. If he's signing the long-term deal. And of course, if he's not signed anyways, their advantages gained if he makes this decision and signs this extension by the trade deadline or with enough time for Alvin and Rutherford to uh, accommodate it and, uh, rollout deadline plans. But again, it's his purview if he doesn't want to. I guess the frustration, and I completely understand it from Canucks fans. Finally, there is a team worthy of a talent like Elias Pettersson. And yet still, that has not been enough through three quarters of this schedule to entice him to put pen to paper.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and people are going to be accused of being chicken little if they bring up the possibility of a departure. And yet, there's numerous examples, of course, of guys like, you know, Kachuk, Matthew Kachuk in Calgary, and Pierre-Luc Dubois, who have forced their way out to bring uh, des- it, despite the fact they had club control still over top of them. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it's not without recent precedent to have at least a level of concern, or at least it explains why the connect would want this done sooner rather than later. Um, So as you said, they've got not only the peace of mind, but the ability to then conduct business. Right. What if he, what if he forces them into a bridge, bridge deal? It's a three-year bridge. Mm-hmm. deal. Well, they, then they, they're going to operate differently with regards to the, the cap
0: over the medium term. Right. So it, it does. If not at, at the matter. deadline where they right. go, Oh, we only have this guy for a few years. Yeah. And that means we're going to put even more eggs in, in this year's basket. So yeah, there's a uh, there's a lot that needs to happen with Elias. Number one, get out of the slump, that's fine. Number two, he's really like a lot of Canucks, has to prove he's a playoff performer yeah. here or show it in the playoffs. And more you know, more course, coming
1: on that from Rick Talkett from right. last
0: night. Yeah. And then of course, um the extension itself. One would think, one would hope. Uh by the way but I completely understand Connect Nation being a little uneasy about this at this stage.
1: Uh Nick uh on the YouTube feed Quads is old enough to get into Greta it's a g- really good point Nick it's, it's a, incredible. It's uh astute and special dispensation was given. It's um, a young crowd there at Greta and even yeah. with that
0: David might have been the youngest looking yes at the party. Yeah. But he beat Harmon in basketball and he was so proud about that he took to the PA to announce it. It's good. It's good. Frankly, I would have done the same if it was at a golf simulator and I beat you. Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, I've beaten Dad. Okay, he's in the corner looking his wound. He may be up for a cocktail. Make it a stiff one. (laughs) Let's get to our top story, Slump. The Vancouver... Top story brought to you by Mr. Loop. Of course, by Mr. Loop. Slump. The Canucks have not only lost three in a row for the first time all year, they've now lost... Four in a row. And this one was really stinky. We'll get into Tockett's comments and we'll hear from Connor Garland here as well. But 5-2 to your would-be Natural Geographic rival, your your goals come really on some lucky breaks, right? Mm -hmm. You put just the 21 shots on goal against a backup goaltender who hasn't played a lot over the last few months. And your goaltending was a little iffy on the other end that said regulation losses last night for Florida, Dallas and Vegas. So your closest pursuer in the division and in the conference, no blood there, no blood with Florida either. Although Boston gets the loser point in Calgary and moves into a standings points tie with the Canucks. They uh, have retaken first overall by virtue of the game in hand. Of course, the Bruins are here four o'clock, four o'clock start on Saturday and as we talked about on yesterday's program if you lose this one without any points then Edmonton if they were to win their six games in hand would draw even with you on points Um, Vancouver would probably still have a tiebreaker regulation wins wise and of course they have the head to head over Edmonton in the season series.
1: Now uh, this was put out on Twitter uh, at Hughes for Norris um, this might shock you. A list of teams, top teams, that have lost four in a row this season. You know the Bruins have lost four in a row twice this season? Now, some of those have uh, were managed losses, and, and this goes for a lot of the teams on this list. And,
0: and Bruins just lost four in a row last week. Uh, But but therein lies the problem, Blake, is these are regulation losses for the right. Knucks. They are not... But still, Bruins have got two four-game losing streaks this season. The Rangers, the Panthers, the Stars, the Avalanche, the Jets, the Hurricanes, the Leafs have done it twice, and the Golden Knights have all lost four games in a row. The four-game losing streak is not irregular. The going this deep into the season without a three- or four-game losing streak is irregular. Yeah. So the Canucks were on the wrong side of the law of averages here. Yeah, it was bound to happen. a long 82-game haul. The most disappointing
1: part about this four-game losing streak is last night's game. It was uh, it was not well played. They they go the worst of the lot. I they mean, as bad worse. as the third
0: period was against Minnesota, that was the worst period of the trip. And that is our top story. Brought to you by Mister
1: Lube, one hundred percent Canadian, warranty approved oil changes. And now, not only are they the pioneers of the no appointment oil change, you can now get tire service and sales also with no appointments. It's perfect for people like me who do not plan for these things. Sixteen mm-hmm. locations in the Lower Mainland for one near you. Go to Mister Lube. Not a lot. Of com. Too much going on.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, he's an on-the-fly guy. Yeah. Let's hear from Coach Talkett, and uh, we've got a little bit of a theme here with these first couple of clips. See if you can pick it out.
2: Mm. It's not just leadership. You're looking for everybody. And you know, I don't care who you are. Just worry about your game. You know, everybody's capable of doing things, but are we willing to do it? Right now, there's some games are, and I don't want to, like I said, I thought we played good in Colorado. In Minnesota, we, you know, Whatever, five, four, three on twos, whatever, three on, five on threes. Um, so it's not been horrible. I don't want to go crazy because of this game, but we've had some four or five guys who have no shows here at four or five games. And they got to pick it up. They got to do something. You have to. You can't just sit the bench and, and do nothing.
0: Connor Garland gets into a fight last night with Brandon Taniff. I think it's one he wants back. He ate a lot of punches in that well, fight. His, his his liver did. Mm-hmm. Here's Connor Garland on why he chose to take it.
3: I just you know thought
0: you know what the hell and uh, <laughs> I tried to try to just do something. You know uh, we didn't we
1: didn't really sustain offenses line in the first period. We weren't ringing much, so I felt we could we could do something. And you know, fortunate I didn't take any take any and uh, you know didn't get
0: hurt. So I felt uh, felt fine. We had gone a, a long way without hearing a do something. Right. It's the kind of season it's been from JPAT or from others. Do something is a phrase that gets invoked mm-hmm. when they're doing nothing. Yeah. When things are going poorly. That's why I- when you're asking for just the most debased, minimal thing to happen in your way. That's why we used it so much over the past decade. A lot of something occurring talking, asking guys to do something, Garland figuring he'd do something. In the end, nothing to show for it on the scoreboard. You lose 5-2 to Seattle, and you've now lost four in a row going into this Boston game. Yeah, But it goes beyond that, everybody, because the head coach whom we have, we talked about it yesterday. We play an awful lot of his clips. He's a fantastic communicator. Uh, both with fans, media and players alike. We also think he has intentionally bit his tongue after several games over the course of the season. Really hasn't had a full-out go at the players since the Philadelphia game in the, what, second week of the season back in October. He had a spot last night. Mm. This was a spot. He's in a mood. Here's Rick Talkett.
2: He's concerned. Four game losing streak, and it's like everybody keeps saying a good thing at Versi, but you know, we got to start to pick it up here. And we guys got to understand that when the puck comes on our rim, we have a technique to do it, and you have to have the BAL to to, to get the puck out. You can't just go in soft, and you can't ice pucks on a rim. Like, you got to be able to, there's a reason we practice and we talk about technique and things like that. And when the pressure hits, you got to, you know, those are where the reps that come into play. It should be foreign to you when pressure hits. Um, and we some things in our staples are foreign to us right now.
1: You got to have ballast, is what he's spelling out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's uh, like in a boat, a ballast, a marine right. term. Yeah, t- you know,
0: I think that's what he was spelling out and mm. kind it of tailed off there at the end. Much like a golfer or a tennis player, right? You got to be able to rely on your technique, yes, in the pressure moments. Mm-hmm. I think that's what he was spelling. And he was a little bit upset, uh, you know, but. This is the
1: way he has described all these criticisms. I hope people are listening. You know, when they lose back-to-back games and we point out a few foibles, you know, people are like, oh, it's only back-to-back games. Listen to everything that we've heard from Rick Tockett here. He's logged all that. He hasn't bothered exploding yet after those first couple of games, but he's logged it all. And now it comes out the past four or five games. Yes. We've had a handful of guys that are like, he's he's seen all the same stuff that you've seen that we've seen after the first couple of games of these losses, but he's not going to outwardly air that laundry just yet. But when he's had enough, he's had enough. And he's pointed out, yeah, I saw that stuff too. And I saw that we haven't been good for four or five games now. And now he's
0: willing to talk about it. But that's why we say he picked a spot. That's right. Because you can't go after each other no, in one no, of no. these games. As a coach, no. And actually, I wonder if he picked the Seattle spot intentionally. I mean, the game certainly played out that way. He had a bit of a blow up after a Seattle loss last year. If he comes from the, you know, remember he was a flyer. If he comes from the school of, that's our rival. We need a great effort here. We've got a bunch of fans who have come down and are in the building. Short flight home. so. Mentor trip, all that stuff going on. I mean, I, I, I like honestly, spot. I like the spotty pick. I think, uh,
1: I think it just has to do with that. Uh, honestly, Matt, that's one of the worst games of the season. Like oh, it's, for sure, it's top sure. four of oh, worst games of awful. the season. Awful. And the Minnesota game is on that list too. And he
0: used some difficult terms in the post game last night. Not just ballast, <laughs> which we think it is. Yeah. Uh, when you go to no shows, that's pretty strong. From an NHL coach. Here's Coach talking on
2: no shows. I sometimes have a lot to say. I don't have much to say. A lot of not much compete from the guys. That's on me. I got to take the blame for that. I didn't get the guys to compete hard enough, so so I'll take the heat on this one. We just had a lot of no shows tonight.
1: Which is done with a bit of a wink and a nudge of, you know, Clearly, I have to do something different because they're not going to do it on their own. And and this is what I used to say about about Elaine uh, Vino is why I earned the Baby Dragon moniker way back in the day. Is by the time 2010, 2011 rolls around, they've been through the playoff trenches a couple of times already. Like they shouldn't need to be. You shouldn't need to tell the Sadines and Ryan Kessler, hey, it's game time. You got to go out there and play hard. Like the. They were seasoned pros. You shouldn't need the speech. The game's about to start, guys. Are we ready? You shouldn't need to. And Rick Talkett is sort of sarcastically saying, I think, with that comment of, I guess I need to do that because they're not going to do it on their own.
0: Mm -hmm. Because they weren't ready. Thought you were beyond this, son. Yeah. Yeah. Disappointed that I disappointed. to tell you to do the dishes. Big game. Nip the three-game losing streak in a bud. You do the dishes every night after dinner. At least that's the ask here, son. Mm. And I've got to tell you here. Yeah, on a Wednesday? Yeah. No. Uh, he also mentioned four or five wingers. Did we hear a little bit of messaging upstairs in and Rutherford? Still need a winger here. Still not good enough at that spot. Well... I think I think they have great rapport. I don't think he needs to message through the media, and I don't think he has to. Yeah. I'm just wondering whether the emotion got the best of him.
1: I think he's really frustrated at Ilya you know, Mikhaev's play. I think he's he's got a right to be. I think he's a little bit frustrated, maybe, and 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 I think this one he's got a right to as well. I don't think it's a criticism, but I think he's frustrated, maybe, that Elias Lindholm hasn't been more plug and play. Uh-huh. Um, which is not to denigrate so again, Lindholm, but it's just it's it's taking
0: some time to get
1: comfortable, right? This
0: is why you go out and acquire the guy on January 31st yeah. not March 8th. Yeah. To give yourself all those games, all those days to go through this patch and emerge on the other side. And I have full confidence they will with 20 we'll, plus games. And, game and we'll tell you in
1: hashtags on the podcast side, uh, how the other half of that trade's doing. Mm-hmm. Um so I, I think he's he's got some frustrations. But I think ultimately, if he if he wants to say, "Guys, I need another
0: winger," he'll he'll make that call. Yeah. <laughs> and here's the other thing: he's practicing today. Mm-hmm. Played three and four, and what was the longer term? Uh, it seven and ten, or something like that. Ten in seventeen, I think. Too. Or ten and seventeen, yeah. yeah, whatever it is. They've played, uh, yeah, six games in nineties he's practicing today at UBC and he's practicing even with a 4 p.m. Saturday start because on Thursday night, and we'll hear the clip here in a second, it didn't sound like he was going to be able to practice with the early start on Saturday, but he's practicing. Well, which tells me that they're in bed at midnight and they could sleep until mm-hmm.
1: 10. Those that don't have kids jumping on their bed, dad's home. Um you know, they, they a chance for a really good night's sleep in their own bed. I don't feel okay. terribly bad for them.
2: Here's Coach on got to practice. Yeah, I would love to practice for a week right now, but can't. This is, a, this is a stretch that we knew, so we need some guys to buckle up, change a few things, maybe off the ice, get some rest, and uh, because you know this is—I mean, this is not even close to like playoff hockey. I mean, they—they—they They were they, they desperate, but if these guys think playoff hockey is that, and we're in trouble. There's been a couple of games here where we need some guys to get going. Um, You know, I don't care what our record is. It's just been, you know, it's been a little bit disturbing uh, some of the efforts from some of the guys right now, right now. And that's the big one. That was the big kahuna clip for me.
1: You guys think that's playoff hockey? Like that, that to me was personal. That was a shot across the bow.
0: I would just like to note, that we bookended that clip with practice, playoffs, yeah. football <laughs> that legendary was somewhere football. in between the two all-time yeah. press conferences, the Allen Iverson practice and the Jim Mora playoffs. Yeah. Um, how about some players need to change some things off the ice? That one stuck out like a sore thumb Did as well. Ever. Like,
1: what is that referencing? What is that referencing? Like, that's... Honestly, your mind goes wild wondering what that's about.
0: uh, But he said it. Well... And especially on the dad's trip. Yeah, I mean... Nobody got wild and crazy with dad there, did they? And, and like,
1: at the beginning of the season, that that can be a shot about fitness level, but, I mean, it's March... Yeah. You're fit now. I mean, you can't, you can't well, be I, unfit I at this point. I just wonder
0: if it's all part and parcel, Blake, of what we've talked about with him, that he first had to break them down. Basically let them know you're no stinking good. Mm-hmm. You haven't accomplished shit. Yeah. So don't win two or three games and walk around town like you're Mr. Big Shot. Like he, that was one of the many things about the Canucks group of players that was immature, not ready for prime time, And Again, we thought that was something that has already been corrected, but it looks like despite all the steps forward they've taken, because let's face it, more often than not, they've been ready to play. More often than not, you've seen great efforts from the Canucks. More often than not, you've seen the first goal from the Vancouver Canucks. And in fact, they've got the first goal last night. They got the first goal in Denver, in Minnesota, and against the Jets last night. So uh, it's many steps forward, and perhaps a couple back. I, I think what,
1: what I would take away from this, though, as a Canuck fan is the coach sees everything that's wrong. <laughs> like, I would be really heartened in a lot of ways that Rick Tockett has got his finger on the pulse because him saying it, and these were his words, we're in trouble if guys think that that's playoff hockey. So, I mean to me, that is a... You know, warning
0: shot across the bow. Yeah, playoff and, inexperienced team, and a possible indictment of
1: of of a, of a few players. And I, he says, handful. Um, that need to prove themselves, and and we might see it'll be interesting to track ice time over the next few games here, to see who's really under the knuckle here of of, yes. of Rick Tockett, and who's got an abnormally low ice time. I'm going to guess those are the guys that he thinks aren't playoff ready at this point. Then there's the power play, and those are Which the best lost. players. Lost, like any power play with Quinn Hughes and right now an informed JT Miller should be able to muscle a couple of pucks across the line. Four shots in eight minutes. Yeah, like this doesn't even make any sense. And he like even you know and, and the players come off the ice and they're saying the right things. Like Quinn Hughes is his own worst critic at, at this point. And yet even he looks a little paralyzed out there. Like you you kind of almost want to look him back in and say, yeah, but Quinn, you're an agent of that power play. You can facilitate some change. And yet they all just
0: seem so stagnant and unwilling, unable to find that shooting lane. Greg says, tell me I'm wrong. Canuck should acquire two $6 million a year, 50 point getters with grit and send Pedersen to float elsewhere. Yeah, I, I don't no, think that's going to happen. I, I'll tell you you're wrong, Greg, but because uh, you, you want superstars, you win with superstars in the NHL. Occasionally, you get a team like the St. Louis Blues. But the
1: sentiment so, behind that is, you're paying a twelve million dollar player to be a difference maker,
0: right? Make a difference, exactly. And that part I also sympathize with Canucks. And you know what? Golf—that's the other part because you're hearing these gigantic numbers around the player. Um, a, a commitment unlike any the mm-hmm. franchise has ever made, yep. right? Potentially, if we're in the 90 to $100 million range on his deal. So you want to know that you're investing in someone who isn't just good on a Tuesday m- night against Columbus, but is good in a game three on the road when he's being hard line matched.
1: And after all this talk about meaningful
0: games in March,
1: remember that phrase? Meaningful games in March. Right. Well, they're they're gonna play meaningful games in March. Are they ready for the meaningful games in March? And, and the games in April are even more meaningful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Saturday looms really large. It, it's uh, we said this about the Colorado game. If they, if they if they bounce back from the Minnesota game and beat Colorado, okay, sins are forgiven. Um, beating the Bruins won't absolve four straight losses quite like the the Colorado win would have. But you get yourself a lot of credibility back with not only your coach, obviously, but with your fans if you can bounce back and beat the Bruins.
0: Okay, so let me ask you this. As mentioned, Dallas loses in regulation to Ottawa on Thursday, and Toronto goes into Vegas and just destroys the Golden Knights Mm -hmm. where Mark Mark Stone, with a spleen injury, (laughs) (laughs) is going to be out for some time. Of course, Eichel wasn't playing this game either. Uh, Knights have lost two in a row, and um, Leafs have won six in a row. They are making easy work of some of these Oilers' impression in the East. Yeah. But Dallas didn't gain on you. Vegas didn't gain on you, at least not last night. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you care about first overall in the Presidents Trophy and home ice in the Stanley Cup Final? No, no, just right? the division is the main thing. Div- well, division and conference. Conference, ideally, yeah. yeah. But if you if you if so, you
1: if you settle for second in the conference, but you win the Pacific, I think you're you're still pretty okay with that.
0: You know, still ten up on Vegas, they have two in hand. Still four up on Dallas, they have one in hand. Five up on Colorado, they have one in hand as well too.
1: No, it's it's uh it, it's not all lost. The thing is, is you don't want to see what's happening with the power play to get from the micro to the macro, because, you know, when the power play gets to be uh, in this much of a funk, it becomes almost a self-fulfilling prophecy. You go out expecting failure. You go out expecting, oh man, and you're going to get all man back. And you don't want that to expand to the games where you're starting every game going, game. not a game, not the game you die for. You don't want to start every game thinking it's going to be a loss. And the more that a losing streak continues, mm-hmm. the more you're at risk of that.
0: Uh, should also mention Winnipeg, who have a stupid uh, number of games in hand. Five, mm-hmm. six on the, no, five on the Canucks. They're down seven points. So that's your ball game with regards to the Western conference. Top seed. Uh, you're doing a, Whitecaps kickoff event tonight, season ticker. Yeah, the season ticket launch. So uh, we'll talk to all the
1: diehards. Excellent. Tonight at Canada Place.
0: Looking forward to that. And next week, the Whitecaps get going.
1: Yeah. uh, They
0: do not participate in this opening weekend of MLS play. They participate next weekend with the home opener against Charlotte. Yeah. And that should be very well attended. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's uh, going to be a lot of fun. Can't wait for the season to get going. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh lastly here, we want to send our support to Kate Pedersen, the Canucks reporter, known Kate for a long time, worked Grey Cup Radio with Kate for a number of years. Uh, disappointing that she has to go through what she's going through with this online harassment. But there have been countless times during the course of this season where Kate has been the only reporter on the spot traveling with the Vancouver Canucks. And there have been a number of times, Blake, where you and I have been sitting in listening to Kate talk to Coach Talk or someone else and went, boy, good question. Boy, good follow-up. She's a hell of a pro. And I want to send her our support yeah. after what she tweeted last night. Yeah. Uh today's menu. Jeff Patterson's gonna drop by. We'll do some hashtags. The best and worst to Twitter. Frank Saravelli on a very slow trade deadline. We thought that. Monaghan and Lindholm. Okay. Blood gates are open. Skids are greased. Let's get going here. I believe even our buddy John Shannon said, Oh, I fear for those guys who have to do the big long show on the eighth. Two weeks to go before trade deadline. Still some time, but some really small potatoes, rinky dink stuff since Monaghan was traded from Montreal to Winnipeg. So we'll get into that. We'll go to the people. As well as we do on Fridays, hear from you on a number of Canucks topics. Yeah. Unbelievable!
1: Um, I'll, I'll, what, I'll. What? Which part? Well, I. I just think that um there's not a lot of inventory to be traded in the NHL, so I just don't know that we should be looking no, forward I, to and, many
0: trades. And, um, and Frank will tell us something along those lines. I. I, I gotta say though, I. I... You're intrigued enough. Well, put it this way: like he's got thirty plus guys on its trade targets board. Mm-hmm. And how many uh, you TSN really has fifty up. guys yeah. on their board? Look, I, I realize not to scoop Frank, but uh, there will be. There are teams out there looking for difference makers. There's only so many difference makers. They're going to be disappointed. When those, those dominoes drop, mm-hmm. then you'll see the next tier, tier and yeah. next class of player go and onwards and onwards.
1: All right, let's get to best bets. A presentation of Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book and casino. Matt, what do you
0: have today? Well, uh, Bruins and Canucks Saturday from Rogers Arena. If you were thinking 2011 rematch or Stanley Cup preview, know that a specific Vancouver-Boston Stanley Cup final pays 30 four to one right now and it'll be less than that once teams start getting eliminated and we winnow and then set our postseason stanley cup playoff field so if you like the rematch of 2011 if you think boston and vancouver the two best teams in the league right now can meet in the cup final 34 to 1 get on and now
1: It is a pick'em kind of game. Um, I think considering the Bruins have been scuffling a little bit, there's not a lot of confidence in either direction. Um, But if you want to bet the overtime, uh, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the hedge. I'm gonna do the hedge. Cheer on the Canucks all you want, but if you've got that cynical part of you, the Bruins minus one and a half pays out of three. Win by two, yeah. Pays out of three. -er. Mm just saying Taylor special there. Yeah. Yeah. Against your team sports interaction, your homegrown sports book and casino custom props and parlays. You're not going to find anywhere else speaking directly to a Vancouver sports band. Plus a best in class casino, thousands of games and live dealers. Scan the code. You see, you get a 200% welcome bonus from Sikaris and price. It's all available at SportsInteraction.com. must be 19 plus know your limit. Play with it. J Pat's next
0: frank wide's jeff patterson that's our guest our canucks reporter who took in the proceedings at the climate pledge arena in seattle last night and jeff you were telling me not rick talking wasn't just spitting fire post game but he was visibly shaking. He was seismic in his anger about that game last night.
4: Yeah, and uh, look, I'm not there. I go to a lot of the games, but I come back and I record rinkwide. I'm not always there around the coach post-game, and certainly not in a scrum format where you're literally rubbing elbows with him. Like That was more my takeaway was you could feel his anger in his body language as much as you could hear it in his words, and, and he was mad. And rightly so. They were terrible. You know, they played well against Winnipeg and lost. They played well in Denver and lost. That's going to happen. They played brutally in Seattle and lost. And that's where there is a line that, you know, as a coach, and he tried to take some of it on himself and sort of take a couple of bullets for the team with the thing about not being prepared. I get it. I mean, that's from the coaching handbook, but this to me was more on the players than it was on the coach. Although, you know, this power play thing is so out of control now and you can see it's in their heads and, you know Every power play out was a different hook, so they're just throwing stuff against the wall, but for all the talk in the lead-up to the game about more shots, despite the formations, four shots in eight minutes power play time, nothing to show for it, one for 28, and it is uh, a disaster right now, and there's too much talent for it to be as bad as it is, but... You know, that was part of the problem. But the other thing, guys, is four straight losses. They've opened the scoring in all four of these games, and that's usually been the blueprint to success for the Canucks. So they're not getting bleached. They're not getting, you know, teams aren't steamrolling them from the opening minute. It has been stay in games, and usually the formula has been get the saves you need, get the goals you need, your star players take over in crunch time, and that's not happening for the Vancouver Canucks right now
0: there there was plenty within the rant balls uh, no shows what what specifically stuck out to you jeff in terms of the words oh do something come on like he's stealing
4: mm-hmm. my material now um, and honestly like i had to stifle a bit of a laugh when he when he dropped that i was like hey uh but but trust me those words were in my mind as i watched that game as well just about any time anybody hopped over the boards i was like do something somebody here because uh, look at the goals they score. like JT Miller gets a fortunate bounce Grubauer's lost his stick and Sam Lafferty probably still hasn't seen that puck go in but uh, they count but you know in terms of generating offense and actually creating scoring chances like they didn't do anything against the Seattle Kraken and Philip Grubauer guys that was his second game since December the 8th like talk about a guy that hasn't played much he is the backup they got thrown a bone by Dave Hackstall of the Kraken, like Joey DeCord can't play every game, but DeCord has been a big part of the Kraken's resurgence. And they see a guy that uh, probably has a little bit of rust on him, And they had 12 shots on goal through two periods. So, uh, I mean, the do something thing certainly stood out, but just more about the fact that, you know, I think, and and he's used this line or at least sort of gone down this path before about if guys think this is playoff hockey, if they think this is top. Love that one, yeah. Yeah. and he's so right. A, a game in February against Seattle, that's not playoff hockey. Like, the Kraken are desperate. I get that. And, and credit to them. They were able to play their game. But, yeah, I mean, the stakes are going to get significantly higher. And for the first time all year, uh, even through three straight losses, I was like, you know, they played reasonably well and lost. You can live with that. But four straight losses, like, that can quickly become 5-6. And you've seen teams in the East have now caught them uh, in points and points percentage. They're a little bit fortunate right now that everybody else around the top of the West is kind of scuffling. Uh, And so teams aren't making up a ton of ground on them in the West and in the Pacific, but you are opening the door to some of those teams uh, closing the gap and working their way closer to the Vancouver Canucks, unless they get this turned around and figure it out. And that's at the feet of their best players. And I think, and again, talking didn't name names, but it's pretty clear, you know, Elias Pedersen hasn't been great. Elias Lindholm, really hasn't been great other than the two games in which he scored. And Brock Besser has gone into hiding, which is unfortunate because he's had such an incredible season, but one goal since the All-Star break, and that came in that third period when everybody was scoring in Minnesota the other day.
1: They've won periods lately, but I don't think we've seen them dominate anybody. And I'm even going back to even pre-All-Star break. I don't know if there's been many moments where they have looked like a first-place overall team that just said to somebody else in opposition – you can't stick with us. You just can't hang with us. we haven't seen that at all. And you look around and other teams do that. Like even, even in a, uh, in a, in a close game, I was watching the end of that Bruins Oilers game. And David Postrak was just like, Nope, we are not letting this game slip away after our lead. And he just willed his team and, and just sniped a goal from the top of the circles that, you know, few people in the league can do. Like, Where's that moment from the Canucks? Over and again, I'm talking a wide sample size here. Give, give them the last three weeks. I don't know there's many opportunities or many uh you know games to point to where they've just look like a first overall team. Sorry, you're not in the same league as us.
4: Yeah, I would agree. And I, I think you go back to that barnstorming road trip through New Jersey, New York, the Islanders, Pittsburgh, where you know, and the lotto line was doing a lot of the damage then, but they were bullying good yeah. opponents. and Just yeah. get out of our way. You're not stopping us. And we haven't seen that. Like, they came off that road trip. They went 4-0-1 in the five-game homestand that led to the All-Star break, but they didn't play great there. I remember they let the Leafs off the hook. Uh, They kind of scuffled to beat Chicago and Arizona. They had the St. Louis and and then the Columbus comeback. So you're right. Like, complete games, start to finish, they've been hard to find for the Vancouver Canucks. And, again, that goes back to this idea that, You know, they're not giving up the first goal and chasing. They're getting leads, but they're not able to do anything with it. And so outside of JT Miller right now, nobody's going. And so your point is well taken about Pasternak. Like, you know, Nathan McKinnon didn't dominate the game, but he had 10 shots the other night for the Colorado Avalanche. Mark Scheifele had four points against the Canucks. Kaprizov and Erickson Eck each had six points in Minnesota. Jared McCann had four points last night in Seattle. So, you know, they're letting other teams' best players take over and their best players aren't matching right now and and that's the disappointment i think for rick talkett for the fan base and you know just watching with my own eyes in person last night like where is the investment like you get out of the first period and one all tie you haven't played well but like that should be sort of the alarm bells right there to hit the reset button and be a whole lot better and they just didn't dig in at all against the kraken and once they fell behind uh i know they tied it at two with the lucky bounce but You know, look what happened, like that 4-2 goal, lose a faceoff cleanly, and then just standing around like Rick Tockett and all of his staples, you're not going to win defending like that. You can't. And yet we've seen too many examples of that uh, of late from the Vancouver Canucks who right now do not resemble that team that rolled through the New York area a month ago.
1: You uh, you made reference to the Hughes game comment about uh, bringing other people that will work on the like, is that just him throwing out like a catchphrase? Are we reading too much into it? Because it sounded like he had, he knew the guys were in the hopper in the on deck circle ready to come in here. And there's only I, one Phil Castle.
4: I found a little bit of levity in that moment. I'm not yeah. really sure what he meant, but yes, yeah. this idea that if the guys that are here can't get it done, the Canucks are going to somehow find it. Like, does Phil Kessel have friends with them on this uh, little trip uh, into Abbotsford? You know, is there a, a behind door number two somewhere? <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, no, it's on their best players. And, you know, again, like I put it at the feet of the players, but I do think the coaches ultimately make the decisions. It was curious at the very least to see the first power play of the night. And your leading goal scorer and leading power play goal scorer, Brock Besser, isn't on power play one to accommodate Philip Heronik, who was supposed to shoot the puck, and he didn't shoot the puck. And then the next time out, Besser was there, but Lindholm wasn't. And by the fourth power play, this idea of Heronik blasting shots, Heronik wasn't on either power play, first unit or second unit. And that's where I say they're they're just throwing stuff at the wall right now and hoping something sticks. The problem there is, guys, like one power play goal doesn't cure all. One power play goal might help them in a game somewhere. But the next time they score a power play goal, like that doesn't put an end to this discussion. They've got to find uh, just authoritative looks, be ruthless. Like what happened to that group that before the all-star break and for much of the early part of the season, they were relentless on the power play. And right now it's just so passive, so static. And again, you can just feel it's in their head. There's no doubt about that.
0: Maybe Quinn Hughes is being consulted on trade deadline yeah, targets. maybe, maybe. Just putting get out there. Yeah. Uh, he is the captain oh. now, oh. of course. Here's the other thing. As much as Rick Tockett's words might have been hard to hear and landed with some authority, I'm going to guess that there was a Canuck too who got it even worse from a dad. <laughs> <laughs> After going 0 for 3 on the dad's uh, trip jeff and uh you were telling us um sadly it wasn't a full compliment of dads on this trip there were some uh, missing father figures
4: yeah i mean first of all and and i think this is the right way to do it and we're seeing this around the league they're framing it as fathers they call the mentors trip right like first of all not everybody has a father we know brock besser and uh, his family story there and i think there are some others uh that have lost their dads there are some That come from blended families. Like I think Sam Lafferty had his stepdad on this trip. Others had brothers there. So, um, you know, it's not simply every player and his dad because uh, there are family dynamics at play. So I like the idea of calling it a a mentor's trip. Whatever the case, yeah, I mean, look, guys want to perform for their dads, and they did in Colorado. Again, the the effort in Colorado was fine. They lost to a, a good Colorado team in the third period. Uh, last night was a letdown. And, you know, I, I do think it bears mentioning at the very least, guys, that this was their 10th game in 17 days coming out of the All Star break, eight of those 10 on the road. Like, that's just a massive ass. That's not me trying to make any excuse or be an apologist. That's just a lot for professional athletes. And if you think back to November, they had a similar 10 game in 17 day in stretch. They lost in San Jose in the 10th game. Like, it just shows you that it doesn't matter who you're playing. By the time you get to 10 games in 17 nights with a bunch of travel, you don't have much left in the tank. And so I do think that that was part of the storyline. Now, I'm sure the Canuck organization was hoping having the dads around would you know boost them. They had the day off in Seattle on Wednesday, uh, a little bit of energy. It was interesting, too, though, because they've had this tough, condensed schedule, there has been next to no practice time. Like a guy like Elias Lindholm has come in and had to learn on the fly. And so I think you do have to cut him a little bit of slack in that regard I know he's a pro and a veteran, but this is new to him still. And so now it's this catch-22 of when you get some time off, like you just let the guys have days off to recover and recoup, or do you try to drill down to put an end to this four-game losing streak? So uh, the dads will scatter. They'll go their separate ways. And, yeah, it's a little unfortunate that uh, they had to witness this one in person. Uh, It was kind of fun to watch them, uh, you know, during the morning skate uh, in Seattle, uh, all decked out in their – wearing their uniforms, the kids' uniforms – to the morning skate, not just the game. So uh, they were all in, uh, certainly. And I'm sure they appreciated the opportunity. You guys had Brent and on, listening to Doug Cole, Ian's dad, on the telecast the other day as well. Uh, You know, look, this is a fleeting opportunity. Like, even for the guys that are in their 20s, you know, careers are short. And so I think that the dads value it. And I I have to imagine the players, uh, absolutely, in a long season, uh, get a kick get, and maybe a little bit of energy out of having dad or a mentor along for the ride.
1: Well, Mr. Demko said he was going to stick around for Boston. And I, yeah. and I, I wonder if he's not alone. I wonder if there's a few sticking around and it might be some, uh, a chance for redemption for the dads.
0: Uh, no, well, Mr. No, Mr. Patterson. On the, that uh, was my understanding. I, when okay. I saw
4: the photo from, they had all the players and the dads, I, I didn't see Elias Patterson's dad. Uh, and I, I know what he looks like. I don't know what all the dads look like, but yeah. uh, I certainly yeah. would recognize Lee's Patterson's dad. dad. Uh, somebody told me that because they fly on the team charter and there are manifests and logs that are filled out, the dads all had to fly back to Vancouver yes. before they were able to. Right. So, so I think a lot of them would stick around. I mean, the Boston Bruins, and right. the Canucks yeah, come on on a Saturday. Yeah. So the dad's trip, yeah. uh, the, the trip part is over, but the dad's part, maybe not so much yet, because the Canucks are at yeah. home now for three in a row. So probably
1: I'm not, right I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving until, exactly. you, until anyway. I, get, I Until I, I, I get would, a win.
0: Exactly. <laughs> I would also bet there were a couple of dads, I'm not leaving until I see a better effort, son. <laughs> we are not parting company on that <laughs> Seattle effort.
4: There's a there's a twelve thirty Canucks practice conducted by Rick Tockett today at UBC. There's a two thirty practice. so the dads. They're gonna put the put the players through their paces. That'd Jim Hughes is
0: out there finding ice right now. Jim Hughes, yeah. We are back skating at two thirty, gentlemen. Yeah, Coquitlam
1: Planet yeah, exactly. Ice, third sheet. Bring your skates. You won't need a stick. <laughs>
0: Um, let's ask you the poll. Uh, what's more upsetting about Elias lately, the play or the unwillingness to sign the contract, or are you totally unbothered by Elias these days, Jeff?
4: No, look, he's well within his rights to sign when he wants to sign. So I've sort of put the contract aside. I, I think it's just more about him getting back to being a star level player. And he has been quiet, as a bunch of them have, since the All-Star break. And I guess I hope that the arrival of Elias Lindholm was going to bring out the best in both of them. And there just really hasn't been that chemistry yet. There have been some moments along the way. But uh, Patterson, let's see, two goals since the All-Star break. And he's got some points. But I think six of his points came in two games against the Detroit Red Wings. So it's kind of in feast or famine in that regard for him. Uh, I think the other thing, too, is and and look, I get that he's a hot button issue and there's a bit of a flashpoint there with him. People have to understand, though, that even in a quiet stretch here, if he has back to back hundred point seasons, the market is set. Like it is what it is. He's getting his money. The Canucks Mm -hmm. have a decision to make there if they want to be the ones to pay it ultimately. But you can't negotiate because he had a slow month of February and say, well, now you're only worth nine million. But it doesn't work that way the market is what the market is for star players that have back-to-back hundred point seasons, those guys get paid. And so, you know, again, like I hope that there's an uptick in his performance, his production, and certainly, you know, the scrutiny is going to come at playoff time and he has to deliver for like, He is such a huge part of this team's success. He was early on. Uh, he's gone quiet. The team's gone quiet. I mean, there's a correlation there without a doubt. So, um, The contract thing to me is now a little bit on the back burner just because I think we all have come to understand that it's not like, now. you know, the trade deadline can be a bit of a pressure point and there's other decisions that have to be made by the organization. Like I I get all of that, but just in the here and now and for the poll question, to me, it's just his performance. When other teams, top players are starting to torch the Canucks, I want to see some guys wearing Canuck uniforms match that. JT Miller has been productive. He's got eight goals since Only Austin Matthews has scored more goals coming out of the All-Star break league-wide, and we're talking about uh, Austin Matthews. So JT Miller uh, is holding his own, but they need some other guys, and that's where it comes back. to And 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 Here's
0: the other thing. Jeff is absolutely right about a slow month of February not affecting the price. Here's the other thing. Even if he were to have a terrible playoffs, like if the Canucks were to land with a thud in the playoffs out early, stars not being stars, and let's face it, wouldn't be the first young team to suffer that playoff fate that, that might affect the Canucks view of him. It's not going to affect his the compensation because price, price, yeah. others will, others yeah. will pay it. All it takes yeah. is one and there will be 30, 31 teams salivating over, over his availability. If it comes to that. Yeah. Right. I to, and,
4: and, like just to, you know, if he had a sluggish second half of the season, he's still going to get a hundred points. Like I, I think like unless the bottom completely fell out, And that's where I say the die is cast for guys that put back to back seasons together. You might be able to nickel and dime a couple of hundred thousand dollars, maybe, but everybody's slotted. I mean, that's just the way the open market works in the National Hockey League. And so you may not agree that he's a 12 million or 12 and a half million dollar player, but that's what the market is going to bear. And that's where it comes back to this idea the Canucks then have a decision do they want to shell out that kind of money for this player, or do they want to see what that kind of player could? You know, return them uh, in some sort of trade.
1: The one price I think that can get affected with a slow finish to the season, and that includes the playoffs, is if they are forced to trade him. I think you might get a little less for that player. Mm, I don't know. If he's not rising to the occasion, yeah, I still think it's a very robust market. Um, but if you don't believe he's a different, like we're seeing, like full credit to JT no, Miller, they, like
0: JT Miller's rising to the occasion here. I, I'm just saying. To Jeff's point, if he's a two-time 100-point player, that'll be good enough for a lot of GMs, coaches. Well, no one's doubting that that player adds to your team. Mm -hmm. But again, is
1: he the guy that you can lean on? If he doesn't prove himself to be the guy that you can lean on, then he's a he's the he's your number two on a team, and you're number one. You're
0: absolutely right. But in markets like Ottawa and Columbus and Buffalo, like it's just hey. We got this player. That's good enough, right? Like, they just need some upward mobility, some some momentum in their operations. Uh, Jeff, it's a 4 o'clock start against the Mm -hmm. Boston Bruins. Bruins get the Leafs treatment Yeah, seriously, on a Saturday night. I got to say, I'm a little off-put by that. I don't mind the earlier starts on the Saturday. In fact, um, depending on the weather, in some cases, I prefer them. I like them, yeah. Um, But they're getting the Leafs treatment. Route,
4: right, yeah. and and I've seen some outrage already. I, I push back with, do you know what the Canucks' record is against the Leafs at Rogers Arena over the last 15 years? It's like 13 and two. Like mm-hmm. the Canucks have absolutely feasted on the Toronto Maple Leafs in this four o'clock window. Here's the thing that I haven't been able to get to the bottom of: Hockey Night in Canada has the Toronto Maple Leafs at Colorado at four o'clock on Saturday. Like marquee matchups don't come a whole lot more. Austin Matthews and Nathan McKinnon. For a national audience, like, what are we doing here? Putting the Canucks and the Bruins sort of on another channel up against that. Like, there are lots of weeks where you look at the Hockey Night matchup and you think, that couldn't they have done better with the schedule? Well, here you got the Avs and the Leafs, and you get the Canucks and the Bruins. So I don't know why this is a 4 o'clock start, but it's a quick turnaround for the Vancouver Canucks. The Bruins are coming off uh, back-to-back games in Alberta. Uh, one in Edmonton, lost in overtime, so they've been to OT the last couple of games. Uh you know, Look, the Bruins fed the Canucks in Boston two weeks ago. That's going to be fresh in the Canucks' minds. We know Canuck fans never forget that kind of the thing. So um, 2011 probably doesn't resonate with a lot of the current Canucks, although we were talking on Rinkwide last night that, you know, Archie Baines, he certainly would know the story there. Um, but otherwise, it's just, you know, it's going to be added emotion, energy in the building because Canuck fans don't forget. A win over Boston obviously ends the losing streak. I don't know that cures all, but boy, if you think there's angst right now, they fall to the Boston Bruins on Saturday.
0: Oh boy, uh, for five in a row. We got a
4: show on Monday.
0: Yeah, we sure do. (laughs) Uh, And you'll be in for Blake on Monday. Have a great wide. We'll be listening Saturday, and we'll see. uh, We'll see you here in studio next week.
4: Uh, Yes, I have to uh, hit the highway and make it uh, home from sea. I came a long way to watch that last night. You did.
0: Happy
3: travels.
0: (laughs) Sick Harrison Price from Wall Center. Presentation, Applewood Autograph. Applewood Infinity Richmond has some hot deals
1: you can get into the car that... uh guy over here that's the curse yes sir
0: into q60 mm-hmm. so you're the qx60 i was getting this mixed up qx60 but this is the q60 mm-hmm. i'm moving into a different vehicle next week actually oh. i'll be able to update you on all this please and tell do you about how fabulous it is
1: please do Q60 lease of finance from 0%, percent non stat cash up to $12,000. What the one? Yeah, it's true. Go check it out. Applewood
0: Infinity at the Richmond Auto Mall. It's all good at Applewood. Poll question. What is more upsetting about Elias Petterson lately? His play, his unwillingness to sign, or nothing? You can vote. That's a price. Twitter, YouTube. Speaking of, hashtags, best and worst, twitter.com. Blake Price, lead us off. Um, and let's start
1: with some news with regards to the Vancouver Whitecaps. And people might be upset about this. Maybe not. At Chris Wheatley exclusive, Richie Lara will complete a permanent move to Toronto FC from Nottingham Forest today for a $750,000 fee plus bonuses. Larea turned down heavy interest from Red Star Belgrade and returns to his former side on a four-year contract hmm. it's after a little moonlight with the Whitecaps to finish off the season last year. Um, they did make some attempt to bring Lorea back from Nottingham Forest. Uh, as Axel let us know a few weeks back, uh, the relationship between the Whitecaps and Nottingham Forest kind of soured a little bit in some of these negotiations. So maybe that's why maybe they just turned their back on the Whitecaps. Hmm. But truth be told, Matt, I don't know that he was the perfect fit in what vanny sartini asks of his wingbacks why not um vanish's got a particular structure that it, you know there seemed to be some frustration from from both sides that there just wasn't an understanding on exactly what vanny wants him to do um and so I just I just don't think and, and I mean we saw that in the performance I think he had what one goal as a white cap so I mean it was it wasn't a perfect fit anyway. He's a good player, mm. but it does have to be in the right place.
0: It, that strikes me as a not very expensive transfer for a no, guy it's who's not. been in the Premier League.
1: And, and for uh, a guy that was, again, what caps hit a roadblock in, in negotiation? I think they would have paid that price. I could mm. be wrong. I could be wrong, but I, I think they would have paid that price. So I think something might have gone awry between Forrest and, and and the white caps, so he ends up going hey, it's a little bit more home for him anyway. And what Toronto is C.
0: one of the things I've long wondered about players who make these sorts of moves, what's it like playing at the city ground Nottingham EPL and then walking into BMO Field? Wow. The problem you is know? he didn't play much at the no, I <laughs> guess I guess that's it. <laughs> yeah. Is you know, he didn't he didn't get familiar with the turf. No at the city ground at field Yates. The Seahawks have restructured the contract of quarterback Geno Smith, converting his $9.6 million roster bonus into a signing bonus and creating 4.8 million in 2024 cap space. Bob Condotta of the Seattle times adds, This is the bonus Smith was due to receive on March 18th. Boy, pretty good agent there. Geno Smith. You had a bonus last week. You got another bonus coming in March, uh, giving it to him now spreads out the hit over this year and next year also means Seattle uh, also means Smith gets all the money now that would seem to add much more certainty to him staying in 2024 yes this is not a move that you make with the guy that you have no plans for now I suppose we can allow for the possibility that someone bowls them over with a trade offer but it sounds very much like Geno Smith is going to be a part of the Seahawks quarterbacking whether or not he is the um, unchallenged starter in training camp remains to be seen. Yeah. I have to think there's some little trick up their sleeve, but we'll see. We also, we mentioned the story earlier in the week. Hawks were over the cap. Uh, Hawks have some decisions to make here on players in order to get their cap in order prior to free agency. This will help, though, the renegotiation.
1: Um, at a case of the golf, one, Monday Q info, the account. Oh, amazing delivery by Garrett Rank, who happens to be ranked the 91st best amateur golfer in the world, which is really impressive considering he rests full time in the NHL. This courtesy of Bally Sports.
4: He hits it with his stick above his head.
1: They're not going to like it, but the call on the ice was correct. No goal.
0: No, oh, that's some
4: good uh, description there from <laughs> Garrett Rank.
1: That was beauty. Usually, it's Wes McCauley who gets all ah. the microphone love, but Garrett Rank taking a page out of Wes's book and and again, does anybody have any problem with that sort of thing? I think no, it's fantastic. Think it's great
0: personality and uh, true to as he predicted, the fans in St. Louis there did not like it. And and, and at in, the enterprise and seven. in this kind of
1: a call, like it's a lot more objective. Like they've gone back, they've looked at video. They say no goal. Like it's a lot mm-hmm. different, you know, when you're describing a hooking call, which is sort of in the eye of the beholder
0: to some degree. Um, no goal. No. Deal with it. A, at a Ports line, Aaron Ports line out of Columbus. <laughs> Blue Jackets have traded Emil Benstrom to Pittsburgh for Alex Nylander and a conditional sixth round draft pick. The club has announced it is the first move under interim general manager John Davidson. Benstrom scored 10 goals as a 20-year-old and was a regular for John Tortorella. He has yet to establish himself, though, as a regular NHLer even after that terrific start. Nylander, meanwhile, the eighth pick of the 2016 draft. By the way, that 2016 draft, oh, yeah, not very good. No, uh, Is on to his fourth organization. And we were wondering how busy Columbus would be given that they don't actually have a general manager right now. It's John Davidson and the remaining staff of Jarmo Kekalainen that will be overseeing moves. Well, it's been very quiet on trade deadline front. We got one yesterday with two young players hoping a change of scenery may help them. I mean, Nylander is having flight. a nice season. In the AHL. But it's not even a great season. No. He's looking more and more like a quad-A player, Blake. Yeah, I uh, would concur with that. And finally,
1: from me, uh, at Selim Valji in Calgary, Dreden Hunt is skating every other shift with Huberto and Sharon Govich, including one late in the third here with the game tied. Second straight game, Andre Kuzmenko's been benched or demoted. Less than two oh, minutes ice time for oh him no. in the third period. Yeah, So... Nice little it spike continues. for news. Yeah, as, he had
0: three as... goals early for, as a flame, and then yeah, pumpkin. And that's hashtags for today. NHL insider Frank Saravelli of Daily Faceoff, the Frankly Speaking podcast, and we've talked. Week has gone by, nothing's happened on the trade market three weeks
3: and nothing wait that's wait a second wow. that's so disrespectful to alex nylander i forgot he was still Fair in the enough. league well he was on, on fact, contract but yes
0: he's not in the league he's in the hl but yeah. um <laughs> that's right <laughs> that's so it's right. been
3: three full weeks without an nhl bona fide trade
0: right and you were telling me the feedback you're getting from gms is that they just hate this market right now what do they hate about it
3: well it's thin and there's a couple really nice defensive pieces available in Noah Hannafin and Chris Tanev. There's a couple nice forward pieces available in Jake Gensel and maybe Adam Henrique, if that's your flavor. But outside of that, we're really not looking at a whole host of difference makers. And that's what teams are looking for at this time of year to pony up big assets. So when the, the market's that thin, this is why we sit here and wait. Everyone that I talk to, they're like, they're groaning they're like Ugh, this trade market. But you can't invent one. And I think it, it speaks to also really the, the change, the huge change we've seen in the NHL of so few guys make it to free agency. So few guys make it to the last years of their deals. If you have an impact player, teams are locking them up.
0: So who do you think blinks first here, the sellers or the buyers?
3: My guess is a couple buyers blink first, specifically when it comes to Tanev. Like, I think the Flames are holding out to try and get the best price possible. But at some point, someone's going to say, you know what? Let me just get the guy that I actually want. Take him off your hands and we can end this. And that way I make sure I get the piece because whether it's Dallas or whether it's, it's probably not going to be Toronto because they don't have the second round pick, but you know, there's a few teams that have been in the mix for Tanev that, you know, they're certainly interested, but no one is willing to take that one next step further. So on that, on that file specifically, I'd imagine a buyer.
0: And I guess it's even more complicated when you got a guy like Noah Hannafin, whom, as you reported would have an interest in signing with the Tampa Bay lightning but Tampa just doesn't have any kind of assets to trade for him. So it probably means that he's a rental somewhere. Is that fair, Frank?
3: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's looking like a pure rental short of going to Tampa. Now, I don't know if there's a team that's in the mix that's sitting there saying, well, what if we could just bring him here and then try and convince him? Sometimes that does work. And with Hannafin in particular, um, he's really been kind of wishy-washy when it comes to the flames. Like he had said to them, look, this is what I'm looking for. They went out and hit the price 60 million bucks over eight years. He couldn't put pen to paper. And so I think he's enjoyed his time in Calgary. I think he's been clear with them since last summer that his preference was to play in the U S and does a U.S. team try and make a play for him at this deadline that then they, could hold out hope that they could get him, but everyone seems to think the, that his preference has been and it's been mutual to end up in Tampa when it's all said and done. The question is, will that be on July 1st or will that be before mm-hmm. March 8th?
0: Let me just follow up there. Uh, Dave noticed the uh, Calgary AGM was at like three or four straight Bruins games. Hannafin's a Boston kid. And of course, Boston a couple of years ago made the deal for Lim Happis Lim- Lindholm Lim- Lim- and then re signed him. Like, is there no. Why wouldn't that work? Dave Nones
3: lives in New Hampshire. right? New Hampshire is his closest NHL team. So this is the only issue that I have when people start tweeting out seating charts and scouts. Hey, there's some connection here. Look, he's watched them four games in a row. It's like, no, that's... I don't know where he lives in New Hampshire, but it's an hour from his house, and that's the only team he gets to see regularly, short of getting on a plane and flying somewhere. So... I think you always have to be careful at this time of year when you see people, you know, there are some interesting signs to look for, whether, uh, you know, it's it can't just be a GM showing up in a market because certain guys have different things on their list. Um, And sometimes when you see many scouts from one team, it's because they were holding their amateur meetings there, wherever that location ended up being. Um, But, or some some scouts that show up, they also just happen to be on the regular schedule. And we joke about this all the time. Cause I mentioned this on my show last week and a, a manager texts me, he goes, yeah, he goes, I have a couple scouts that go to certain places all the time because they like the press meal and they like the parking situation. He's like, go figure. Or they've got a restaurant in town that they <laughs> like. So they schedule their trips. we give them leeway and that's how they do it. So it is funny how some of that stuff kind of becomes like, oh, man, there must be something here. There's smoke, there's fire, like whatever it might be. And it's like, no, probably not.
1: The former Vancouver Canucks GM and Burnaby North grad now has a home in New well, Hampshire.
0: If I'm not mistaken, do you play college hockey there? University in, of in, Maine. University of Maine. Oh, OK. But But he's lived An- in
3: New Hampshire a long time, I think. Is he my was in fact. Anaheim
0: there for a while. While too, he worked
3: was. in Anaheim, he was living in New Hampshire. I wow. uh, don't quote me as gospel. That's what I was told. No kidding. But nonetheless, it you know whatever it might be isn't always what it appears. Right.
1: Every time I've asked this question, uh, I get the same response. Oh no, they, nobody would ever do that. But you know, GMs do things um, that you're not supposed to do all the time. They hold on to UFAs to be and they don't get things for them. Um, will the Vancouver Canucks react to this four game losing streak? Do you think? Uh, I know you're not supposed to because it's only a four game swath, but. Um, I don't know. It, this seems like a losing streak that maybe deserves a little bit of reaction if you're the Vancouver Canucks. And even Quinn Hughes sort of made a veiled reference to they'll bring guys in that can do the job if if we can't. So um, I don't know. Do you think there's a, a temptation here by the Canucks to make a, a little bit of a change as they waffle here?
3: I don't think so. And what would you like them to do? I think that's the big thing that I'd come back to is, okay, you've spent some significant assets to this point. You've made tons of changes to your team in the last calendar year. What would be next on your list?
1: Well, ironically, they're struggling to score right now, and they've already addressed that with Lindholm. If you're going to do
3: anything, you'd be tanF, and that's not actually what's ailing them right now, ironically. So this kind of comes back to, and and I thought, is there any part of this, if I'm not mistaken, the Canucks are one game under 500 since acquiring Lindholm. Is that yeah. right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah is there anything to what Rick Tockett said coming out of the all-star break and what he was trying to preach to these guys of, Hey, we've loaded up here, but that doesn't mean you can take your foot off the gas. Mm -hmm. Is any of this just human nature where you've Mm -hmm. had a season in which almost everything has gone right for you to this point you've had, everyone was predicting a regression that didn't really come. So is this either part of the regression or is this just the Canucks looking at the gap that they have in the Pacific Division standings and subconsciously saying, hey, hey. it's February, you know, we, we're we not at the point yet where we got to be turning it on, even though they haven't earned the right to do so technically that it's just how it works in an 82 game slog. Well, it's out of oh, last night.
1: The underlying stats are actually getting better in the new year rather than what they did previous. So the regression that, you know, people were talking about isn't actually
0: happening again, save for last night. Honestly, I think that's what talking outlined last night after the game. Frank, mm-hmm. did you
3: hear that? I didn't. So I was okay. clearly basing it off yeah. of what he was saying uh, a few weeks ago, coming out of all-star is just, you it's it's in your nature to say hey we just got so much better getting lindholm we don't have to try as hard now
2: Mm -hmm.
0: uh you should go back and listen it was one for the ages (laughs) it's a good one one. yeah it really was
3: can you paraphrase give me a little like give me a snippet b-a-l-l-s yeah Uh, lack of do something
0: we've got four or five no shows so yeah he got after him and uh
3: man that's as hard as he's been since they were in philly it really was it really is Mm -hmm. it
0: really is And the other thing I wonder, uh, his biggest one last year was after a Seattle game. So I do wonder whether he picks his spot and goes, okay, that's the rival. It's the shortest flight home. That's the spot that I'm going to lose it. And um, they played right into his hands a couple of times down yeah. down at Climate Pledge, down at Climate Pledge Arena. Hey, um, guys with term, non-rentals, what are you hearing on that market?
3: So the Scott Lawton's that group. Yeah. I think of the other guys,
0: Rasmus Anderson, if he's available,
3: I, I tend to believe Rasmus Anderson isn't available. Okay. Um, the flames have so many other fish to fry that unless someone is really knocking Craig Conroy's socks off, he's like, yeah, yeah, we'll get to that when we, when I have a chance to breathe as flames, general manager for the first time, which Hasn't happened yet because his hair has been on fire since last June. But when it comes to Scott Lawton, for instance, like the Flyers are open for business, but they've set a high price because they see what Sean Monahan went for. And they say, well, he's a rental with injury history, even though he's having a productive season to the point that Scott Lawton couldn't touch in his best years, that they think they should be able to get a first round pick. That's what they've set the asking price as first round pick plus and teams are interested. They like Scott Lawton. They think he's an interesting piece. They think he's a 200 foot player that can help you win. But the calculus that the teams that I've talked to come back to is if we've only got limited assets, are we trading a first round pick for a player who may potentially help our chances to win the Stanley cup this year by low, low single digits? And the answer yeah. is, I'd rather go out and get a Gensel or go get some, you know, someone that right. is of significant impact potentially offensively. And,
0: and I hear you there, Frank, but should not a lot of these teams have those positions set? Should they not feel good about who is driving the bus from an offensive point of view and from a top four defense point of view? Well, like like, I, under- a I understand you always would be want the, the Oilers,
3: right? Yeah. Like, the Oilers have a pretty potent top six, yet they're looking for another top six winger.
1: Are injuries uh, changing the market right now? Injuries are, uh, every time I look at Twitter, people are going down, and -and so-and-so's to the room. He's not going to return. Matthew Kachuk the other day. uh, I mean. Mark Stone. Yeah, Mark Stone, yeah. Uh, And and people are rolling their eyes a little bit at Vegas. Is Vegas pulling a Tampa Bay Lightning here, or uh, is this just uh, the way things have unfurled for them?
3: Well, people would argue that they pulled the Tampa Bay Lightning last year when mm-hmm. all of a sudden in the last week of the regular season, a guy who hasn't been seen since January strolls out of the locker room for practice like nothing ever happened and then just steps right back in as an, and as a horse for the Golden Knights in their run to their first Stanley Cup in franchise history. I, I get it uh, this time around with Stone – I reported yesterday a lacerated spleen. I I don't know the severity of it, but obviously something you have to keep an eye on. Uh, Some people have suggested the injury timeline is anywhere between three to six months. We've seen other players come back more quickly than that. The point being here that if the Golden Knights feel like they have the ability to keep Mark Stone on the shelf into the playoffs, that they're going to use every dollar, every red cent that they have available to them on their cap, the nine and a half million bucks to improve this team if if they can. They think that they're right in that window to win once they get Shea Theodore and Jack Eichel back and Stone back to really be that team that with the way Aiden Hill has been playing can go do it. So um, expect them to be as aggressive as they've ever been If they feel like they have that ability with stone to use that money.
1: Incidentally, I looked up the uh, spleen injuries that we've seen in the NHL and uh, the two examples I came up with were both in May. So they were playoffs. So Mm -hmm. Sean Avery was gone for the rest of the playoffs, but was back for training camp. Uh, Peter Forsberg was gone with a ruptured spleen. So how different that is from last rate. I don't know, but he was done for the year. Remember he didn't come back till the following playoffs. So um, it can be really
3: serious. And it can actually be, if it is, the spleen apparently bleeds more than any internal organ because it filters blood that it can actually be life threatening. Yeah. Uh, So I'd expect them to be pretty careful. And that's, it probably lends itself to a lot of people asking questions about cap shenanigans. And the true answer is probably no one really knows for sure.
0: Mm. What does a healthy
3: spleen look like? Dr. Saravalli. Yeah.
0: Dr. Saravalli joining us here on Securus and price. There's a report out there that the Canucks offered Patterson, 96 million dollars over 8 years so 12 per at year at the start of the year yeah. yeah at the start of the year what do you know about that
3: i don't know anything i had not heard and or seen that report mm-hmm. i'd be surprised if they went to 12 before the season started i th- i was told they were more in the 11s but i i certainly wouldn't know enough to you know say that the report is not credible i mm-hmm. think it's clearly a number now that starts with a 12 But my question is the term, what does the player want? And we never have gotten an answer yet as to exactly what he's thinking.
0: When you call around and talk to people in the league, what do they say about this Patterson situation in Vancouver?
3: They think it's slightly odd. They think it's a little bit unusual that you have a team that's willing to step up and write the check And the player is more or less rebuffing them right now. And it's not even necessarily in saying no, it's just continually putting it off Mm -hmm. that that part. I think they're like, that's, that's interesting. Why is that the case? And I don't know the answer.
0: All right. All right. Well, we hope to have trades to talk about with you next Friday. High time. I mean, we're two weeks today.
1: This is officially the ramp up now. Yeah. You'd think there'd be some movement, but
0: we'll see.
3: Three weeks to the day since Hmm. the last trade. Sean Monaghan, February 2nd. Like, come on, give me some action here.
0: Absolutely. He's He's... Frank Cervelli is off there studying for a medical degree in all the downtime that he has between non-trades around the league. Like, he's going to tell you what's going on with the spleen at this point as he might operate blood. on mark stone
3: exactly yeah so do you got you guys do know that robin leonard called me dr saravalli in a press conference oh did he really a I couple years ago know. oh i did not and it was exactly. in vegas that i almost tweeted yesterday when i had this the spleen injury i almost tweeted at the end like from dr Saravali. but I, did you, I i figured oh, sure. you know what like th- no need to <laughs> did you go to the same med morning. school as dr recce I did not. Yeah. But Great I stuff. did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last oh,
0: night. Oh, sure you did. Yeah. <laughs> for the points. Mm-hmm. Thank you for this. Until next Friday. See you guys. Oh, to the people. To the people. We, yes. Let's go to those people, shall we? we? have to go to the people. I miss the people there. It's been a long, frustrating time for people here. To the people we go. This so and Price from Wall Center. Presentation Applewood. Auto Group, you can text us seven seven eight four zero two ninety six eighty. 402 9680. Time to go to the people. To
1: so the people we go. Presentation of Great Clips. Salons locally owned and operated open seven days a week, and your time is valuable. They know that at Great Clips. So use the Great Clips check in app. See the wait time, check in on your phone, and get the haircut when you want. For more information, check out greatclips.com. Great Clips! It's gonna be great!
0: Look at that. We bur- Thank we bur- you. Reversed Thank it. You. We reversed it. Poll question Thursday. Is tonight a must win? It was clear some of you didn't get the joke. It was clear some of you have no idea who Big Daddy Dave Pratt is, sadly. Wow. 52% of you said yes, though. <laughs> some of you unironically. SK, it's not a must win for the team as a whole, but it might be a must win for some individual players who could be on the trade block if Alvina Rutherford start panicking before the deadline. Yeah, you do wonder whether there are some auditions here, right? Can we really use you in the playoffs? Can we better use your salary elsewhere? Two weeks from today. Polish, I only said yes for selfish reasons as a Canucks fan. More just to reassert confidence as a team and get a certain top six player going. (laughs) Patterson. Yeah, it didn't happen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And whack Blackout says they can coast for a bit better to be recharged for the playoffs than burnt out when the real season starts. There is that line of thought as well, right? You to know, play all 82 as though they're life and death. Well, what happens if you fall behind? You do just want to prove to
1: yourself, though, that you can win those games, period. That's, I think, what would be the argument, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave and Chilliwack, I think all Canucks fans have been expecting this recent performance. No need to panic if you're in a must-win category. I suspect your doctor wouldn't medically clear you to cheer for this franchise. Well put. Tell me I'm wrong from Brian. In the time Canada soccer should be taking a, in the time Canada soccer should be taking a bow for the on-field accomplishments, they can't seem to get out of their own way. Hashtag embarrassing. You know we talked about that. Yesterday, that uh, golden generation of men's players, incredible success over the last decade and a half for the women's program. And yet here we are still squabbling uh, about the Federation with lawsuits now filed or about to be filed. Uh, Adam, the former Bath guy. Good morning, guys. Thanks for putting on a great time at Greta last night. Looking forward to the next one. Yeah, it was cool hanging out with Adam. Adam. And all our friends at Greta last night. Um, let's get to more here from the inbox. This is on Frankie Carrado, a YouTube comment. The disturbed. Oh, it's three hundred and twenty Canadian dollars for two Upper Bowl tickets in Vancouver for Vancouver versus Pittsburgh in Seattle. It's one hundred and fifty to one hundred and sixty Canadian dollars for two Vancouver tickets. Tonight. Colorado, Boston, New York, Vegas, Toronto, Tampa, Winnipeg, Florida, Carolina, and Edmonton all have four plus game losing streaks. We were the last team to lose three in a row this year. If that means we don't have a shot at winning the cup of the last night, then nobody does. Quite right. Uh comments on Brenton Demko, Canadian travel traveler system, mannerisms and voice control as Thatch. Yeah, you can hear a little bit of Thatcher Demko or Brenton Demko when Thatcher speaks. I also saw many thought the uh photo, the pose they struck for the dad's photo was pretty much exactly father and son you could tell um now Bren's got the long hair and the goes yeah, exactly. yeah uh on Earth's appearance earlier in the week Gary says Earth with the foreshadowing of Baines possibly playing with Miller and Besser good call Earth yeah it sure was when he said it I was like oh okay. Yes, but no, he did have upward mobility. Um, not exactly the night for Archie Baines that night one was his NHL debut. Well, he can't be
1: re, you know, leaned on to be the guy that be the motor here in his second National Hockey League game. You'd think the veterans would take that mantle. I mm-hmm. still think he made a couple of nice plays. The defensive play from
0: his knees was was very nice into the corner. Dory losing now is good. Gives time for correcting problems. Better now than later. Need net presence directly in front of the goalie. Net guy is standing on the side, looking at to the tip. Too many slap shots need well-placed wrist shots. And here's the thing. Their screen game this year has been sensational. And frankly, Brock Besser, take a bow. He has often been the guy. Getting in the goaltender's grill, forcing the goaltender to fight through and see the puck, not to mention all the tips they're getting. Of course, the two-tip goal game for Elias Lindholm. But yeah, it was missing last night. Um, this is Dathan. It says, why do people keep making excuses for Ilya recovering from ACL surgery? His skating and speed look fine. Your knee doesn't affect your handle, puck management, grit, hockey IQ, which he appears to lack. As a fan, you try to be patient, but sorry, his hands are absolute concrete. I would, I would highly disagree that his skating and speed look fine. I just don't see that. I see a guy who
1: is Why are you making shadow? excuses
0: for... Making excuses. Well, that would be that was the first part of his question. Why are we making excuses? Well, it's not
1: necessary. I mean, I would guess it's from his ACL surgery, but that is not the skater. The, he was highly regarded as one of the top ten skaters in the league. Not not yeah. player,
0: but skaters. On Patterson Benjamin, he has a lot of secondary assists pumping his stats. Give him his twelve, but without the no trade clause, I feel he has another level from what he's showing currently. John I mean, Johnny hitting the nail
1: on the head for a lot of people, I think. He looks so nonchalant out there in big games. He just sort of glides around
0: and doesn't move his feet. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Yeah. Nux for Cups says, I'm honestly starting to be on the camp of time to trade this guy at the draft. This team cannot afford a $12 million player that does not consistently find you. Matthews, McDavid, McKinnon, Pasternak type production. And if he goes to arbitration for a one-year deal, Canucks lose all value. Fair. Josephine, every player goes through rough stretches, both star players and non-star players. He needs to get better in the short term, but this seems like a let's get mad at Petey because he hasn't re-signed yet poll. There might be some of that. There might be some of it, yeah. Because here's why, Josephine, I think there are Canucks fans who are mad at Petey because he hasn't signed yet. And and I and I get why that's the case. They've seen a lot of scary
1: incidents around the league where star players have just left their teams high and dry, and they don't want that to happen.
0: Let's get to errors and omissions from yesterday's pro Thursday's program and beyond. Um Tyler Sagan is married and his wife does appear to have created a bunch of social media accounts in the courting process. Strange. Yeah. Uh, I had this LAFC Seattle game on the weekend in Seattle. It is in LAFC, which is why Seattle's even such a big uh, underdog in the MLS curtain lifter for both teams. Mm. And then our friend Yerkie, who we met this week. huh? Yes, we did. Yeah. Yerke dropped in the studio and said, hi, nice visit with him. He's correcting you again, is he? Well, I I don't think it's really fair because I
1: was asking the questions of the guy that wrote the article, Rob Williams. I mm-hmm. actually asked. I said, "But they did wear the stick and rank." I was I was the questioner. This should right. be a Rob Williams thing because oh, so you want to offload the air to Rob I, Williams. I really
0: would like to. Yeah. Wow. How about that for accountability, ladies and gentlemen?
1: Well, I I didn't Go back and look at the jerseys in 2007. Rob did an article in the Daily Hive on this. I was taking my cues from him.
0: Anything further, Grady? Silence. All right, moving right along. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder: subscribe to us, Rinkwide Vancouver Connects conversation, wherever you get your podcast Follow on social: that's Twitter, Insta, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. Live daily, 11:30 a.m. on. YouTube, and of course, support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.